This is the CIIS Public Programs Podcast, featuring talks and conversations recorded live by the Public Programs Department of California Institute of Integral Studies, a nonprofit university located in San Francisco on unceded Ramaytush Ohlone land. The term two-spirit is translated from a Northern Algonquin word and is used by some native peoples of North America to signify variations of gender and sexual orientation. The term gained popularity in the 1990s as a counterpoint to colonial terminology used by anthropologists and academics alike to signify practices of non-binary gender and sexual orientation among the native peoples of North America. Despite over five centuries of ongoing colonial terminology and ideology, two-spirit people have survived. Now they are coming together and returning to values and traditions that existed prior to the invasion of the land we now call North America. But what does two-spirit and the transition from surviving to thriving mean to two-spirit peoples? In this episode, Chickasaw two-spirit activist, drag queen, and community organizer Landa Lakes is joined by Porch Creek two-spirit artist, activist, and educator Roger Kuhn for an inspiring conversation on Native American ideas on gender, cultural expression, and art as a platform for and a pathway to activism. This episode was recorded during a live online event on November 10th, 2022. A transcript is available at ciispod.com. To find out more about CIIS and public programs like this one, visit our website, ciis.edu, and connect with us on social media at CIIS Pub Programs. to see and be with you all this evening, this evening all this wherever you may be tuning in great to also be here with my friend uh, landa nice to see you landa hi good to see you roger yes well i just want to take a quick moment and introduce myself to folks and i'm gonna turn it over to you to introduce yourself so as we say where i'm from in muskoka stonko hesche la jadoga muskoki my name is Roger Kuhn. I am a member of the Porch Creek Nation. I am from the Wind Clan. And right now I am in Kumai territory, also known as Southern California, specifically around the San Diego region. Uh, so I'm going to turn this over to Land if you want to give a brief introduction to yourself. Maybe the territory you're on at the moment as well. Chukma, so Chifawat, Mingo Thomas, Aminti Tupelo, Chikasasea. Hi, I'm Landa Lakes. I'm from the Chickasaw tribe. I'm from the Tupelo community um, specifically. Right now, I'm right here in San Francisco. So Yalamu is the traditional name that the Ohlone called uh, this area. And that's where I'm at right now. So I just want to acknowledge that. Wonderful. And for those that are listening live, if you want to know more about the native territory you are on, you can go to native-land.ca, enter in either your zip code or the town that you are in. And if you are in what is now known as North America, likely you will be able to learn more about the native population on whose territory you now are living on or visiting. So uh, you can always do that anywhere you travel. I always think it's a good idea to become familiar uh, with the native people on whose land you are on. Uh, so, Landa, thanks for being here. Now, for those that don't know, uh, Landa and I have known each other for quite some time. Um, my very first two-spirit gathering that I ever went to um, back in Oklahoma, um, probably in the early 2000s, maybe, uh, Landa was one of the first folks that uh, introduced themselves to me and welcomed me into the community. And when I moved to the Bay Area, Landa was also there for me and uh, welcomed me back into the community here in the Bay as well. So an honor to be with you as a friend. And I'm also here as a fan. I am a fan of Landa Lakes. And so I want to just chat with you a little bit tonight and uh, really learn from you about how you have used your art as a platform and a pathway to activism. I've seen some of your performances and um, they speak to so many issues impacting Two-Spirit and Native and Indigenous peoples, not just here in the US, but really across the globe. Uh, And I've also been a a fan of the subtlety of your art. 
I think you do your your style of drag for me is um, deeply political, deeply artistic, and also incredibly humorous and funny, and also sometimes really touching. So if you would share a little bit with us about your idea about art as activism. Art as activism, you know, it's 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 actually one of the reasons why we created the Weaving Spirits to um, Two-Spirit Performance Arts Festival is because um, we, we do have this platform of, of drag and it is, and it does give us that ability to uh, formulate ideas such as like, you know, what's actually happening within the Native community. Um, currently, when you look at um, what's going on right now, ICWA is sort of in the news because the Supreme Court is looking at it. And, and, and it's actually something that touches a lot of Indigenous people's lives, um, yes. much more so than a lot of people, a lot of people would know. Um, even within my own family, we have, um, you know, children that have been taken away for one reason or another. And unfortunately, um, the, the sad part of uh, things that, that happen within, like, my, my home in Oklahoma mm -hmm. is that there is a lot of drug use. There is a lot of uh, drug abuse. So, you know, sometimes the social services will step in and they'll take the child away. And when they take that child away, um, then it is up to us as a political body not as just being the race of being like uh, Native American, but as a political body to have a say in where our children are going. Yes. And, and it's very important for us that they stay within our culture. And so when children are taken away, we sort of want to ensure that they stay within our tribe. Hmm. Or if, if they can't be within our tribe, then maybe um, with, with other Native people. Just, just something to give them pride. Unfortunately, you know, um, sad but true, once upon a time, a lot of people were really encouraged by the Christian churches to go out and adopt children. And, and they did that. They did that not only here in the U.S., but also in Canada. And, and they went out and they adopted them and, um, and brought them into their families and didn't really give them a lot of instruction on, you know, what it was to, to raise up an Indigenous child. And, and, and so quite often these children felt alone and mm -hmm. different and, and not really fully a part of, of the family. And so when you look at something like that, then you can say to yourself, how can I put this into a performance? Mm. Because I want to tell people about it without also giving, uh, without, you know, uh, giving them like this boohoo sort of a, sort of a story, mm -hmm. but just to, just to enlighten the audience in some way of, of something that's happening. And I think that's what um, it's great about drag is like, it's, it's a platform, regardless of how you see it, it's, it's a platform that you can go ahead and you can talk about these issues, these really tough issues. Um, and ICWA is one of them, missing and murdered indigenous women are, is one of them. You know, there's a lot of things that affect us as indigenous people. And we want to be able to, um, get that off our chest sometimes. And, and the best way to do that is, is, is through performance, because I, I believe that's what art is really about. It's, yeah. it's about love. It's about pain. It's, it's about all those things. And anytime you have an art form, um, I think it's your responsibility to go ahead and um, let other people know what you're doing or how you're feeling so that they can also relate to it in some way. Yeah. Uh, ICWA, for those that are listening, stands for the Indian Child Welfare Act, which was established here in the United States. And I believe it was 1979, 78 to 79, uh, late yeah, 1970, um, and that's currently um, there's a case currently in the Supreme Court that's being argued right now, um, which is uh, really about sovereignty. Right. In many ways, you know, it was about sovereignty, not just a racial issue. This is a sovereignty issue for Native people as well and, and self-determination around our our uh, members of our community, et cetera. Um, your name in and of itself uh, is satire, political, and also um, I think a very activist perspective. And would you share with folks a little bit about uh, the story of your, your name, Landa Licks? Sure, I'll, I'll start off by saying that, you know, I didn't initially start off as Linda Lakes. Initially, when, when I was doing drag, I was known as Autumn Westbrook, which is a very pretty name. Very pretty. <laughs> um, Miss Autumn Westbrook, would you have a Southern Autumn accent? Westbrook. It's very Southern, um, you know. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, and you know, that's that's how I started off in Oklahoma, you know, very, very pretty and everything. But then um when I was out here in California, I wanted to have one that was a little more campy, but also had a political edge to it. And of course, Lando Lakes Butter has this little indigenous mascot, or used to have this indigenous mascot on the front. And I wanted to sort of poke fun a little bit at that mascot. Uh, so I, I took on the moniker of, of Lando Lakes, which inspired people to give me all these this Lando, Lando Lakes merchandise <laughs> and everything. And I was just, I, I was always like, oh, well, thank you, but I don't really support <laughs> of a mascot. You know, that's what my name's really about. It's, um, it's, it's about making fun of it. And and even when they removed um, removed the indigenous person from from it, there is there is a little bit of controversy about that too, when mm-hmm. when they removed it from from the brand. Um, even, even among some indigenous people, some indigenous people want it to remain because like an indigenous artist did it. But I, I always figure it like this. Okay, if, if, if you're going to use our image as, as indigenous person, how do we benefit from that? You know, how do we benefit from that? I can see how you benefit because mm-hmm. it, it, it gives you a sense of Americana. Yes. You know, this is homegrown. Sort yeah. of that's that's the great use of an indigenous yeah. mascot is you know, this, you know, we're you know homegrown, we're Americana. But where does it benefit the indigenous person? I think that once upon a time when um we didn't really have much representation in the media or anywhere else, there might have been a time where we as indigenous people were like, oh yeah, I'm so proud to mm-hmm. see that this mascot here, this mascot there, but there's so many things that, that sort of like come off of that, that is just not good. Um, when you have an, have a school that might call themselves the Cherokees and then, uh, the opposing team will put up signs that say, we're going to make you walk the trail of tears, you know, a very serious thing. And, and everything you know that's that's some of the some of the issues that we face with mascots is yeah. you know and even the the tomahawk chop yeah. you know yeah. that was terrible too you know there's there's a lot of terrible things that come from mascots themselves so i i enjoy using the name um mm-hmm. because it it does make people think about it and um i just you know for me I think it's important to to say that I don't really approve of mascots um, from living people. From living people, I would I would rather you go with a, a color <laughs> or something like that rather than rather than a living culture. Yeah, yeah. Well, I appreciate that. You know, I was thinking about how. Um, you, you were talking about like, you know, the, the, the usage of mascots and the the character. I, I, I guess that's always a question of us. I've been curious about is Landa, is Landa a character or is Landa a part of personality? I'm sometimes I'm not sure how to like uh, address folks who do drag as art. Is it, is, is, is Landa something that's a character? If I were to say like your character Landa. Um, I would say that if what what we usually refer to it as our our drag persona persona okay our, our persona um is just that sometimes people sort of like don't necessarily fall within that line of like separation between um the persona that they've created and yeah. themselves and and that sort of blends and sort of merges and so forth that's why a lot of times when you'll see me at like the powwow or something when i'm bringing in a flag or something you know they don't introduce me as as landa lakes they they go by my name miko thomas mm-hmm. um, rather than that because because and in those moments i am i'm not a character i'm not this persona yes. yeah. i'm myself mm-hmm. well that makes sense so the persona landa lakes in terms of uh, bringing that awareness to the activism within even something like mascots, right? And you were naming um, the Trail of Tears. And for folks that may also not be a, a, aware of uh, sort of geographical locations of uh, Native nations, Landa and I are from a similar region. Our tribal nations are from a similar region uh, in what is now called the United States. And um, uh, of course, our peoples were deeply impacted by the Indian removal policies of the United States government in the late 19th century. Um, 
And I was thinking back to the Weaving Spirits Festival that I witnessed a couple of years ago, and you did such, I'm still, I think, digesting it artistically, powerful uh, story that um, you, you brought in some of the Brush Arbor girls that were a, a part of that story. And um, within that story, what I was really intrigued by was your artistic use of uh, indigenous narrative uh, weaving um, uh, what I would say anthropologists or would sort of call like folklore uh, into a story and also using um, a really challenging issue and to deliver it to an audience in a way that was my word here, but like digestible for them. And I, I wanted to know if you could share a little bit about that experience, about that creating of that experience for folks. Yes. Well, when I when I create something, a lot of times it it, it really does have to come from from me and and and, and from my culture. So a, a lot of times when you'll see like one of these type of pieces, then I will be bringing in um, some of um, my Chickasaw identity in some ways. And 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 in this particular story, um, I really wanted to to convey this idea of of the spirit world. And that, you know, whatever we, what happens to us in this life, you know, there is that, that next step afterwards. So it was sort of like, like a closure in a way. So it was, it was like a repeating circle that went from, from point, point A, all the way back to point A again, um, back, back into the spirit world. And so with that story, we just followed the life of 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 this two spirit person that was born and then later on um became one of the murdered missing indigenous women and um and then her journey afterwards yeah yeah that um it, it, as an audience member it was profound and mmiw uh missing and murdered indigenous women girls two spirits and people is such a epidemic within our culture and our community that is getting minimal attention um, more in the larger political landscape. Um, and the festival that that, was that the first time it debuted? It debuted at the, at the Weaving Spirits Festival? Yes. Yeah. Um, which I have had the honor of being a, a participant of. I was, I was a, a, a performer a few years back. Um, and I can tell you that those types of experiences are rare where two-spirit folks have an opportunity to get together and and share our art with each other and with an audience you and I participated in something like that in our youth back in New York City um and I know we've also both separately been a part of the two-spirit cabaret that's out of Toronto with the um a theater group up there and now you're doing something here um alongside a, a co-curator with you Javier uh, in establishing this Weaving Spirits Festival. And I'm curious if you can share a little bit around your vision behind the Weaving Spirits Festival and any plans in the future about what we may uh, see soon. Sure. Um, well, well, to start off with, um, you know, I, I'm always a, a strong proponent of creating Indigenous spaces because so often within the Indigenous community, we find ourselves being the one person. Mm -hmm. being just like that solo person, the one person there. So when I created something like the Brush Harbor Girls very early on, we created our first like indigenous drag space. And that was 18 years ago. And, and, and that was pretty amazing in and of itself. So then when we, we came forward, um, me and Javier were talking after a, um, a powwow meeting, our two-spirit powwow meeting. And, you know, my thing is like, I always want people to feel welcome and belonging because I didn't always feel that way in the past. And so I wanted to make sure that we have like a really welcoming spirit and to be able to um, highlight indigenous people. And we were taught, me and Javier were talking and I sort of like said, yeah, this is what I see. This is what I picture. I would love to have like this two, uh, two spirit performance um, space that we can really highlight um, indigenous people, both local and some that's um, out, outside of our territory. And before I knew it, Javier had found a space or had found a grant and said, okay, let's do it. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so, so, you know, we, we were able to uh, come together 
and and pull everyone together. But I think I think I've probably been heavily influenced by um, Hane Gigama, who who mm. is, who's a playwright. He he organized a lot of different things in in, in his lifetime, and he he's he's retired, but he used to work down, I believe, at UCLA. Um, but what what I really remember from him is early on, I remember this thing called the New Indians, which was um, which was a script that he that he had written. And um, I, I was still in high school and and I read it and it, it was pretty amazing to me because it was like all indigenous theater. It was a whole indigenous in theater ensemble. And he had sort of he had, he had sort of created that. And outside of that, he also created the American Indian uh, the, the American Indian Dance Theater Company as well. Mm. So um, a lot of people are familiar with that. And he's, he really created all these like like little things. So for me, it seemed like it was important for us to create a performance festival just highlighting two-spirit people. Um, you know, it's, it, it's one thing to be the one Indigenous person in the room, but it's also another to be the one Indigenous plus queer person in the room. <laughs> yes. So, so, so it, was, it was really amazing that we were able to do that. And um, we were able to invite that first year to get a lot of different artists to come through and, and perform for us. And now we're looking forward to our future festival, um, which is going to take place in April of next year. And and again, we want to feature artists that I think can really tell really, really cool and interesting stories. I love to be able to spotlight people and give them that opportunity that uh, they may not necessarily have, or they're going to be in a, another festival that, you know, they're they're sort of like the minority person in that in, in that festival here they're spotlighted um they they're they're a huge part of it and 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 i think that's important you know quite often indigenous people are invited places to give a land acknowledgement and once they've done their land acknowledgement where do they go into the shadows and they disappear <laughs> yes you know it's like it's, it's like wow that sounds like uh the Chickasaws in Alabama, Mississippi, and Mississippi, and um, Tennessee—we all just sort of disappeared, huh? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> well, I tell you. Well, I will look forward to uh, seeing. I think I've seen every show that you've done. All the all the Weaving Spirits uh, festivals. I think I've been to all of them. Last year's was really, really uh, incredibly powerful. Uh, and then I was just before we got on live, I was just talking about. Um, Dr. Jennifer Lisa Vest, who was on uh, the Weaving Spirits Festival, who actually was just part of public programs a couple of weeks ago. Uh, so a lot of these communities are all linked together. And, you know, I love that there is this Weaving Spirits Festival, because when you and I were uh, younger and back in New York and, and, and we did that show, it was part of the Fresh Fruit Festival. I, I don't remember, was it called the Two-Spirit Evening or something like that? I don't Yeah, remember. it's the Two-Spirit Evening. Two-Spirit Evening, I think that was called. And it was really nice. And it was like, wow, that was really, really cool. And I had, I think I had just met you shortly before that, or maybe we'd known each other about a year or something like that. Yeah. And I, I just remember thinking like, oh my gosh, Land of Lakes is coming. How exciting. And um, now to see the weaving spirits here in the Bay Area, it's also really refreshing um, because when I think back at back in the day when I was more active in the music world, I often felt like what you described, like, wow, I'm the only indigenous person here. I'm the only two-spirit person here. My goodness, the the representation, the weight of the representation that I feel, and I I oftentimes you know my genre of music that I was doing was you know what folks would call Americana music. So folks would think that they're getting an indigenous musician and have this expectation that I was supposed to show up with the hand drum and sing powwow songs or start sing hand drum songs. And it's like, well, uh, I'm 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 a bit of a crooner myself. Um, so now when I see the Weaving Spirit Festival and I think, oh my gosh, there are so many people that are open about their identity and they're returning to uh, the two-spirit tradition. It's so beautiful to see and to witness uh, as an artist and also as an audience member. Uh, I wanna take a quick moment though. I'm realizing that there may be folks here tonight who don't even know what you and I are talking about when we say two-spirit. Um, so maybe just a, a quick little uh, aside. Um, and I'm curious if, if you wanna define um, how you uh, view the word to spirit and maybe how and or if you identify with that word. 
for myself, yes, I do identify with the um, with the term two spirit. And for me, two spirit may not mean the same thing for for different people. But for me, it it usually means that I fall within that umbrella of the LGBT community. But it also means that I have a spiritual side, a spiritual connection. So when when you say two spirit for me, I think of people who are connected spiritually as well to. Mm-hmm. To, to their traditional ways, or if not their traditional ways, then uh, ways that have been introduced to them um, as as spiritual, and and that for the most part is what sums up a two spirit person, somebody who who not only falls within the LGBT umbrella, but is also very spiritual as well, and so and so there's practices that go with that, and of course there is that um, feel of activism that usually comes with um, with with being a two spirit person, but I think. First and foremost, it's, it's it's about that nourishment of your spirit. Yeah, beautiful. And uh, it, it was a term that was introduced in the early 1990s, uh, really as a way to sort of counter a narrative that was very popular in academic spaces, and really a pejorative term that was used. Um, and really, this group of um, artists, activists, leaders got together and said, we're not going to take that anymore. We're going to use this term. And it, it's the term that, that caught on. Um, so for those that are listening to that maybe do not identify as indigenous, I always like to stress that two-spirit is our word. Uh, it is to be used with us um, and about us. It's not a, it's not a word to be co-opted and, and used for folks that are not indigenous. Uh, last week I was on a radio program and um, this cis white uh, presenter you know, asked me, you know, is it okay to, if I use the term two spirit? And my response was, well, um, you've taken our land, you've taken our culture, taken our language, and now you want to use the colonized term that we use to describe ourselves. You want to take that too? Um, and I think that she got it. Um, so that is that is our term. And I would just I will just stress that there are many ways to describe um, that beautiful rainbow spectrum that some of us may be a part of. And two spirit is our term. It is, it is for, uh, it was created by our community and it was really for our community. It is a way that I, I, I also identify in the world. Um, and it wasn't until I myself learned about Two Spirit that I went, oh, wow, now I finally feel like I belong somewhere. Because in that LGBT plus uh, spectrum you talked about a moment ago, Landa, I often felt like there wasn't quite a place for me here, kind of is a place, and yet I'm different. You know, I there are there are things about I think being native, whether you grew up on the reservation or not, that is just an understanding that we have amongst each other. And um being a part of two-spirit community for me was truly the way that uh I felt I understood what love and acceptance was. And I feel that immensely when I'm at the Bates powwow. And out of everything that I've ever done with you as an activist or a community member or a friend, an artist, the work that you and I and the entire Bates community have done for the powwow has been one of the most touching experiences of my entire life. And I hold such gratitude for both you and Ruth for what you started, uh, the movement. We have two-spirit, public two-spirit powwows now literally across the US and Canada. It is so beautiful to see. And I'm wondering what that's like for you to, one, have started that that beautiful tra- tradition we now have in the Bay Area as one of the founders of it. Um, and you've, you've been there ever since, every year you've been working every year. And also what's it, what it's like for you to see how you have inspired Two-Spirit folks across Turtle Island to do something very similar. Well, I'll, I'll first start off by saying that, you know, one of the things that that we built into the powwow from the very beginning um, was that welcoming spirit. You know, you're welcome here, um, regardless of your gender. You know, mm-hmm. if, 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 if you come and you identify as a man or a woman or uh, trans or whatever you are, we wanted to make sure that it was welcoming. And 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 one of the major players in that was that there used to be this powwow in Oklahoma many years ago. And at the time it was like it was like huge. It was so big. And it was called Red Earth. And um and it started off in the 80s. And 
you know, me and me and my best friend, Russell Big Horse, we were excited to go and everything. But when we were there, we didn't necessarily feel welcome. We, we, we didn't necessarily feel welcome there. Like, you know, afterwards, you know, going clubbing or something like that, then yeah, we were very welcome. But we just weren't a welcome site mm. at the powwow. Mm. And so, you know, when when the two-spirit powwow began, that was our, our, our main thing was like, it, it has to be welcoming for all people. We have to make sure that people feel this. And I feel the same way about like the term two-spirit and when it came about and everything. A lot of that had to do with, you know, going back and like, you know, nourishing your spirit, nur- nur- nourishing your, your soul in some way. Because I think a lot of times when Indigenous people uh, leave their Indigenous communities and come into an urban setting, they feel a little, not just lonely, but also separated mm. from their ways and, and their culture, you know? And that also is a separation from your family as well, especially if your family is, is, is a very traditional family. And so this was a way to give back to the community. And we didn't just give it back to um, the queer community. We invited everyone, yeah. everyone, everyone to come. So they did. They, they just showed up. Some came and, um, and, and some people came that had um, LGBT relatives or two-spirit mm-hmm. relatives. Mm-hmm. And, and they wanted to show that, um, you know, they, they were there to support and everything else. So from the very beginning, it was, it, it was a welcoming space. And that's how I feel every time I see it. You know, I feel like we've created something that is so welcoming that, other organizations want to emulate it and bring their people back into into that circle that many of them may have already left yeah and, mm-hmm. and not really want to come back because of how it felt mm-hmm. once upon a time and, and and we're changing that and even here in the bay area sometimes at powwows you'll go and you'll see them carrying in like um a rainbow flag you know that didn't actually happen before and then you go and you look at um gathering of nations which is the largest Ooh. powwow in the yeah. nation and now it has a two-spirit contingent. Mm-hmm. And, and, and they have these things because they recognize that two-spirit people are still in that circle. We, we are still dancing with you. We've, it may have seemed like we left, but we haven't. We've always mm-hmm. been there. Mm-hmm. So it's, I think that's, that's very important. So I'm very proud of the work that Bates mm-hmm. has done in, in creating the powwow. And I, I have to say it, it touches my heart every time that um, we have our grand entry and I see so many people come out and from the very first, in the very first one, I remember someone telling me that um, when we brought in that rainbow flag at the very beginning at the, um, when, when it first entered into the arena, that, that she just cried. Mm. She just cried. Yeah. In Muskogee, we have a term, uh, Anokachiko, which um, when you translate that to English, it means uh, love, but it doesn't mean like, I love you. It means uh, community love. And um, one of my decolonial acts is trying to learn as much of my language as I possibly can. Um, And that's one of the words I learned. And um, I remember being at Grand Entry a couple of years ago, probably like five or six years ago at this point. And um, at Fort Mason where we hold our powwow currently, um, there's this really cool loft that you can walk walk up and see Grand. If you've, um, you're always in Grand Entry, I've a few times have been able to watch it from above. It's such an amazing sight uh, just to see all the people in that space. And at one moment, I remember filling with joy and just those tears of joy coming out. And I went, Anokachiko, this, this, this is what I have been trying to understand Anokachiko. This is a community love right here. And I ended up doing my entire uh, PhD uh, on the subject of two-spirit love, which was inspired directly from uh, what I saw at the Bates powwow. And also what I, you know, in general, what I've experienced um, with two-spirit community as a whole, that idea of like welcoming. Um, Landa and I were also together over the summer in Montana at the uh, Montana Two-Spirit Gathering. And what was not said in your bio uh, was your new uh, title that you, uh, I mean, really were gifted in in a lot of ways, rightfully so, uh, which is now Miss Montana Two-Spirit. 
Um, if you could share a little bit about, because I actually don't know myself, like what, what does it entail? What does it entail to be Miss Montana Two Spirit? Well, um, Miss Montana Two Spirit is a powwow title. So that means that I go out and I represent uh, the Montana Two Spirit uh, Society um, at different powwows and different indigenous functions. And sometimes that's spilled over into um, in, into other functions, sometimes queer, sometimes not. Mm. So it's 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 been very it's been very cool and everything. You see, I didn't run for the title. Right. <laughs> I was, in in Montana, I'm I'm usually their MC for their um for their talent show night. And 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 a part of that is usually the Montana um contest mm-hmm. and everything. And it's just that um the their committee met together and they decided to crown me as Miss Montana. So when when we went to the powwow, um I was sitting there and they called me up and crowned me as, as Miss Montana. And at the time I, I had bangs on and I knew that it didn't, wouldn't look so well uh, <laughs> with, with the crown. So I just snapped them off and put them on the former Miss Montana. <laughs> <laughs> and, so, and, and, and so we, we exchanged bangs and, <laughs> I, and, and I took her crown. <laughs> uh, that, was, that was, that was a really fun moment. And, um the entire room was just lit up with excitement when you were when you were named as Miss Montana and no doubt you you will represent the Montana two spirit community and that powwow with love and grace as I know you do with everything that you that you have and I'm remembering that night now that was so fun um because you and I like work a lot during the powwow the Bates powwow I rarely get to dance because I'm always like running around and I danced so much at the Montana powwow this year it was so much fun I even danced outside it was I just kept going like the drum was still going as I just kept going it was so beautiful so nice um I was thinking about uh, when I saw you earlier in the week I I remember asking that I wanted to talk to you a little bit about um sort of two-spirit elders. And in our community, uh, we have lost some dear uh, elders as of recently. And uh, I remember I had that conversation with you a couple of days ago. We're like, well, gosh, are, are we almost elders? I mean, are we are we kind of in that cusp of, of what that means? And you said something to me that I found kind of profound about your experience um, as, as a Native person who uh, was raised traditionally and was raised with your culture and your language in a way that some of us were not. Uh, and I'm curious if you'd be willing to share a little bit about your understanding of what it means to abuse someone uh, who's a culture keeper. Um, yeah, as someone that also youth look up to. Sure. Well, you know, it's it's funny, but when I, when I came out to San Francisco um, back at the very end of the 80s, when I came out here, I had lived most of my life in Oklahoma. So most of my life from from the time I was born till I till I grew up, I I grew up in Oklahoma. I represented my tribe in various ways and very various capacities, even um, even representing them uh, while going on trips and um, and speaking speaking ab- about my tribe and our tribal ways. And so when I came to California. You know, there is there's sort of this thing that you expect out of elders of giving advice and advising you and telling you what's traditional and what's not. You know, I feel like I've been doing that since I got to California, even even in my youth when I got here, because there's so many people that came here through the Indian Relocation Act. Um, yeah. Dylan Myers, mm-hmm. um, who was head of the um, BIA, uh, the Bureau of Indian Affairs, created this thing called the Indian Relocation Act. So uh, so we have like a lot of descendants of, of, of indigenous people that are out here in these urban areas that are not necessarily connected to their tribe um, yeah. of, of what I think of back home. So so there are people that are within my tribe and and similar tribes, southeastern tribes that are very similar to me. And I've been able to, you know, tell them, oh well, this is what we do and this is what it means. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's very important that you 
that you don't just do it, but you also understand um, what it means. And one of the things that I've always done, even though I was never told to, it, it was just something that my 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 grandpa he used to wake up every morning. Um, you know, when the roosters started calling, he'd he'd wake up and 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 he'd sing his prayers. Mm-hmm. So as as a consequence, I have kept that to myself too of, of, mm-hmm. of doing prayers every morning. And mm-hmm. and and what that actually has done for me is it's helped me to retain um more of the Chickasaw language than 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 you would think. I've I've been away from the Chickasaw Nation for so long, but through prayers, I still, um, you know, I I still have that um, fluency because because in a way I left, but I never really left either because I have these prayers every morning that sort of like, you know, you have to search for words sometimes when 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 you're praying in Chickasaw, and mm-hmm. so it and and so yeah, I I've been able to maintain some of my culture. So I I sometimes say that you know, I left Oklahoma, but you know just because I left Oklahoma didn't cease the Chickasaw within me. Mm, um, mm-hmm. my, my Chickasawness remained and, and mm. it stayed there. So, so I'm, I'm still connected. I go back to Oklahoma all the time. I'm, I'm still connected and I think our ways are very important. And so, so I try to keep them as, as, as much as I can. It's not yeah. always easy when you're up in an urban city, <laughs> and things are different, you know, like for instance, you know, our tribes, the Southeastern tribes, were not really what you would consider powwow tribes. Mm-hmm. But a lot of Chickasaw people do take part in powwows. And being in an urban area, you're more likely to go to a powwow than you're ever going to be at a stomp dance because right. no stomp dances out here. So if I want to go to a stomp dance, which is sort of the religious practice that um, we as um, Southeastern tribes do, mm-hmm. I have to go back to Oklahoma. And, and, and I don't really have a choice um, unless somebody comes out here and does an exhibition, you know, mm-hmm. they'll do an exhibition and that's not quite the same. It's not quite right. the same. An exhibition stomp dance is not the same as a stomp yeah. dance. You know, there's, there's no prep. You, you just jump up and you dance. <laughs> um, but when you go to Oklahoma, there's, there's steps, there's, there's different things that you do. And so I think it's very important that, um, that I, as a person, inform my relatives, especially the Southeastern people, um, what I think that they need to know or mm-hmm. what they what they want to know more than need to know, because need mm-hmm. is a big word, um, mm-hmm. wh- what they want to know. They want to know, then, then I'll tell them and I'll help them with it. And mm-hmm. sometimes even if they don't really want to know, I'll just share it anyway. <laughs> um, it's 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 one of the things that I I really enjoy about some of our gatherings is being mm. able to 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 share the food that we that that we mm. have as well because our our food is sometimes also considered medicine in many ways too mm-hmm. so it's it's not just about like having a great flavor but it's also the medicine that's uh, that you're presenting for your community as well yeah I was thinking about um, you know the gathering again this this summer and there was a, a group of young uh, two-spirit identified people that you had sort of had a little bit of to do with them getting there it was um, you know morgan um your nibbling that was from oklahoma i think that came um and i, I just so appreciated that you are actively building community for young people in this way um I see it. And I'm just, you know, wondering about like, how is it for you to be, you know, Auntie Landa now? Um, just too many of us, you know, now you've, you've, you've you know, I, I asked Auntie Stephen this last time that I did a panel. Um, I was just curious about like, you know, now young folks are calling you Auntie. What's that like for you? Well, first off, I would like to say that I think that um, my relatives should stop having so many. <laughs> <laughs> Because these are these are these are my blood relations. These uh-huh. are my actual relations. But, but but I will say that I feel good in in many ways because you know, in in some ways they could easily say that I was the first to come out, mm. and 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 so it's it's made it easier for them. So so when they came out, they're um um. Uh, telling their parents they thought their parents were going to be mortified and destroyed and everything else but instead they were like well there's Nico <laughs> <laughs> yeah 
so so you know i already said like um i already sort of set like like um a good path for them and it 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 makes me proud it makes me proud that they they've had an easier time mm. um, i can't say that it was a perfect time because you know no one ever has like a perfect coming out story really um it's 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 just something that happens and and so they've had a difficult road but at least it's been easier and smoother be, mm. because uh, because i was there before them and how it feels to be an auntie i feel like i have no choice <laughs> You have no choice. Wow. Okay. Um, like eventually, like eventually, once you reach your fifties, you're just sort of like, well, <laughs> I'm an auntie to everybody now. There you go. There you go. Well, I think I, I I think primarily in in the gay community, once you hit like what was that magic age? Once upon a time, um, looking for everybody up to the age of twenty seven. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> many moons ago many nobody moons. wanted somebody 27 or 29 you know they had to stay within like the younger things and um nobody wanted people who were in their 30s but um but yeah once you move move past all that you just you just naturally accept that you're going you're going to be an mm. end so my only advice to to people as as you get older is to um keep stock mm. In how crazy you were when you were younger, mm. because that'll keep you from being too. Earlier tonight, you mentioned uh, ICWA and MMIW, which are two issues that are impacting the entirety of uh, what we call Indian country, but Native people across uh, the U.S., um, which does, of course, impact Two Spirit folk. I'm curious if there are specific issues or or additional issues that you think also. Uh, impact our community that um, you may want to use your opportunity now to share with the folks to bring to their attention. Um, other uh, other items, uh, other political items. Are you could be political to? items. Could be you know like hey, February fourth, we got this great big powwow coming up. Really, anything that you might want to share that you think is um, you know folks that might be interested in learning more about Two Spirit folks or Two Spirit um, things that might be going on across Turtle Island. Well, sure. If you're if you're interested, November 25th, we're gonna have an all-indigenous show at um SF Oasis. That's right. San Francisco. Um, you can go online and find our event bright and everything for that. But it's called Indigenous Brilliance because we want it to be bright and lovely. And and we ask the question, what does it mean to decolonize um drag yeah. when, when inherently a drag is a Western concept. So yeah. what does it mean? So we're going to find out what the performers say about that. An, an, another thing I would say, just to um, to go back a little bit to ICWA, mm -hmm. is, is just the importance that people think about it in terms that it is about sovereignty mm -hmm. more so than anything else. Yes. It's not a racial distinction. It is it's it's about our sovereignty as a nation to be able to control where our where our children where our children go, and I I think that's a very important distinction to make. Um, once you start breaking down all these pieces of sovereignty, because we have lost a few things in 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 the past, um, specifically with sovereignty, and 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 that's a very important issue for us. We want to continue to be a sovereign nation. We should be accorded the same rights as any state mm -hmm. as well. So right, that's right. I always think it's interesting. As far as I'm, if I understand correctly, Indigenous peoples in Canada can travel on their uh, cards, their identity cards. Whereas in the U.S., it certainly doesn't work like that for us. Like you know, if I were to roll up into say some place that wants to see my ID and I pull out my tribal ID card, most places are not going to know what that is or recognize that as like a, a, an actual. Uh, document that we could use to identify ourselves in, in that way. So we're forced to, you know, can conform to those um, colonial ideologies of passports and uh, driver license and those things, you know, so. Do you know what's really funny about that is that you cannot use your uh, tribal membership card. However, you could use your uh, CDIB um, at, because it's, uh, it's issued because federally, um, yeah. whereas, whereas your tribal ID is, is, um, is issued specifically by your tribe, but because the CDIB is issued from the Bureau of Indian Affairs. Okay, um, interesting. 
then you can use it except for the fact that it has no picture attached to it. So, <laughs> right, so, right. so if that's the ID document that, that you're going to use has to have a picture on it, then right. forget about it. Right. So, so, so that does so it doesn't even work that way. But I, I think it's really cool that Canada, Canada affords a, a lot of different things, and mm-hmm. um, a lot of that has to do with their treaties. Yeah. Whereas, whereas our treaties were not quite as as encompassing on that. Yeah. I, I I wish it were, but unfortunately, <laughs> it's it's, yeah. it's CDIB CDIB card for folks that don't know. A certified degree of Indian blood is what that stands for, and that is the uh, the BIA Bureau of Indian Affairs way of continuing to track and monitor Indigenous people to this day. So, um, yeah, that's what that stands for. And you know, we over our time at various gatherings, a lot of these gatherings that happen up in the Montana area are international gatherings. So folks from what we now call Canada will oftentimes come down. We met a great group of Canadians this summer and I've been following their adventures on uh, social media. And I I keep thinking, wow, y'all get together a lot. Uh, It seems like y'all have a lot of gatherings. That's so nice. We need to do more of that on on this side of that imposed border. which we do have a Bates powwow coming up on February 4th. I want to stress that to everyone that is going to be held in San Francisco, uh, February 4th, which is a Saturday and um, at Fort Mason center, uh, which is, I don't know, can't remember the exact address top of my head right now, but it's uh, down by the Marina. It's an amazing location. It's a free event. Everybody is welcome. Um, If you can make a donation, wonderful. That's great too, but we will have tons of vendors and it's our first in-person public in-person event really since the pandemic uh, for the Bay Area, Bay Area American Indian Two-Spirit Organization. And I've no doubt we're gonna have an amazing event. And we will also have some virtual programming uh, leading up to the powwow, which the past couple of years we've been doing that, the drag night that you have hosted has always been a huge hit. And I don't wanna put you on the spot. I should have asked you this in the powwow committee meeting, though I was hoping that there may still be another uh, drag performance that's part of either the virtual programming or something the week of the powwow. Any plans for that? Yeah, we're we're thinking about um, about bringing that into uh, the night before. Wonderful. So so it'll be live slash virtual. Ooh. Oh, oh, a so little both combo. Love yeah, it. Yeah, it'll, it'll be a little bit of both. Um, but hopefully, as as we plan this out and everything. Um, it it will all take place at our our big get together. You know, years ago I wanted to call our get together a gala, but people were like, "That's a little too gay." <laughs> and so now we call it the pre powwow social because it sounds so much so entertaining. That's a nice nice flow to it that that one does. Um, but I, I I do love that. I I do want to just ask you though a bit about. Um, well, really two questions. The first is, do you have any words of encouragement or advice that you might offer uh, to spirit youth that may be listening right now, or maybe their friend will share this with them who might see you and say, wow, I can be big and beautiful and bold when I get older as well. Um, and maybe see someone like myself and see themselves represented in a different way. Uh, but really the res kid or the kid that is in the urban environment that maybe doesn't have access like you and I do anything that you'd like to share with them tonight. You know, that's, that's really hard to speak on nowadays because we live in a completely different world than we used to. So a lot of times you'll see a lot of like two spirit um, res kids on TikTok doing makeup and makeup transformations and everything else. So, so I don't know if there's a lot out there anymore that really feel as 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 closeted as say mm-hmm. say when we we were growing up. It's it's a different world. Um, so at this point, I would probably say that for all you young people who who are out there who are still closeted, um, remember two things: everybody has their own timeline. Mm-hmm. So there's there's no pressure for you to come out, especially if, if, if coming out actually does mean that you, you might end up being homeless because a lot of people may not realize this, but there are a lot of Christian households out there in, in the indigenous community. Mm -hmm. A lot of people think Mm -hmm. of like 
um, Native people as being like, you know, these traditional ways sort of people. But when you look at, say, for my tribe, my tribe, we're about 90% Christian. Same, 90%. That's, that's a lot. We had a lot of missionaries throughout the Southeastern tribes. Mm-hmm. So, so there's a lot of Christianity out there. So for those kids, you know, all I can say is like, I'm, 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 I'm sorry, but at the same time, you know, you, you have to come out at, at your own time. Mm-hmm. So don't feel like people have to push you into, mm-hmm. into coming out. And, and for those kids who, um, who may not be in that same situation, just remember that um, to be, to be proud of yourself. Mm-hmm. Pride is such an important thing. You know, we, we spend so much of our lives feeling like we, um, we, might embarrass other people and it's it's hard for us to be ourselves and so so that would be my advice remember that to have pride with within yourself and pride isn't vanity pride is just being able to um Mm. speak the truth and 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 be comfortable with who you are beautiful i appreciate that thank you for sharing that so my final question to you is it is native american heritage month we get one month um, I think we get a, do we get a, do we get something else? Um, I can't remember if we get, if we get any other months or times or places, et cetera. We, we get a special day, actually. Special, oh, that's right. The day, that one day. Thank you. And, yeah. and for two-spirit folk, oftentimes that day, Indigenous People Days, falls also on National Coming Out Day. So wow. It's close. Indigenous People's Day is in October, but this month, for the month of um, November, we have um, National Native Heritage Day, which oh. is the day right after Thanksgiving. That's right. Right. Okay. And it's Thank the day you. that we're going to have our drag show. Wonderful. Was that wow. purposeful? That it's just sort of natural yeah. that way. Yeah. Okay. It was. It was very purposeful. Um, it, it was. It was interesting because the the management at Oasis actually reached out and oh. and and said that um, I guess they had already had something planned, but then that that had fallen through and so they offered it to us the indigenous community wonderful and so and so i said yes and well, so it works out that way that's how that, that that's how that developed and so i'm i'm very appreciative of of oasis to to reach out like that and to yeah. uh, to, to be able to do more than just say we recognize you know that this is indian land but to actually yeah. actually do something for us as well is yeah. is pretty remarkable and props to CIIS public programs as well for having myself and Landa here tonight, giving us this opportunity. Uh, so final question to you, Landa, um, given it is this Native American Heritage Month, uh, what is it that you hope that our listening audience tonight um, maybe takes away from our time together tonight about Two-Spirit people? The one thing that I would like people to take away is 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 to remember that two spirit people want to be a part of their own culture. They do not want to distance those, themselves from their culture. They want to be a part of their culture, um, and 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 that's very important because I think that um, so many times two spirit people are sort of pushed out. They're they're pushed out, and then then they end up in a big city, and they just sort of disappear and become invisible in that big city. Nobody knows what you are. Like when you. When, when you as a native person meet somebody, unless you have like, you know, really big full braids and so forth, they're probably not going to know who you know what you are. Mm-hmm. Um, so so a majority of, of indigenous people just sort of disappear in big cities. And and so that's one of the things that that I want people to know is that uh, two spirit people are are visible. They're here and um, and and they want to be a part of part of their own culture. Mm. And, and And that's really what what we are hoping to do every time we go out is uh, to remind people that we can be proud of our own culture. Mm, Beautiful. Thank you so much. Appreciate that. Landa Lakes, it is always an honor and a true joy uh, to be with you, uh, always in this capacity um, and always even more so when I see you just as a friend. So thank you so much for all that you shared with us this evening. Uh, Congratulations on all of your successes recently. Um, and is there any final thoughts that you would like to share uh, to our listening audience today? My final thought is this. If, 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 if you really feel strongly for um, the Two-Spirit community, if you're Indigenous, 
make sure to have a welcoming space for two-spirit people. If, if you're non-Indigenous, um, then make a welcoming space for Indigenous people as a whole. And, and remember that we're not, we're not all gone. We're not invisible. We're there. And sometimes it's, it, it might take a little more for you to, um, to find out who we are more mm -hmm. than anything else. So just, just make a welcoming space. Thank you, Landa Lakes. And thank you to thank the California Institute of Integral Studies for having Landa and I here this evening. It has been a joy and an honor. Mado, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you for listening to the CIIS Public Programs Podcast. Our talks and conversations are presented live in San Francisco, California. We recognize that our university's building in San Francisco occupies traditional, unceded Ramaytush Ohlone lands. If you are interested in learning more about Native lands, languages, and territories, the website native-land.ca is a helpful resource for you to learn about and acknowledge the Indigenous land where you live. Podcast production is supervised by Kirsten Van Cleef at CIIS Public Programs. Audio production is supervised by Lyle Barrere at Desired Effect. The CIIS Public Programs team also includes Izzy Angus, Kyle DiMedio, Alex Elliott, Emlyn Guinea, Patty Fort, and Nikki Rhoda. If you liked what you heard, please subscribe wherever you find podcasts, visit our website, ciis.edu, and connect with us on social media at CIIS Pub Programs. CIIS Public Programs commits to use our in-person and online platforms to uplift the stories and teachings of Black, Indigenous, and other people of color, those in the LGBTQIA community, and all of those whose lives emerge from the intersections of multiple identities.